Man, it's so good to see you. Welcome to Impact 2017. Are you glad you're here? Awesome. Man, it is so good to see you guys. Um, we have been praying for this day for months. And we've been praying for you by name, your church groups and your leaders and our churches. and our, We've been praying for you. Uh, that you would have an encounter with Jesus this weekend. Uh, that you are not an accident, you're not a mistake, you're created by the God of the universe in His image and likeness. And we pray that this weekend would rock your life for Jesus, impact you, and that through that, that the world would see Jesus in you. That, that's, that's our prayer. Impact is all about Jesus. It's all about putting Him on display. It's because... Uh, a, the people in this room and your church leaders and your pastors who have seen God's rescuing, saving power in their own life, that they would give themselves and their lives to telling you and telling others and telling the world about Jesus and impact us of lifting that name up that we've been singing about. And so, man, I'm so glad you're here. If uh, I would encourage you before tonight's over uh, to go up to your leader of your group, your community group leaders, the adults who are here with you, who brought you here. And I just want to tell you, they are awesome. They are awesome. They take out the time. Can we just give it up for all the different leaders who are here tonight? Yeah, I've, I've gotten to hang out with these men and women over the last few months as we've been praying for tonight, praying for these days, and they love you. Uh, they love you, they love your friends, and, and they are so excited to see what God is going to do in and through you, and I'm excited to see what God's going to do in me this weekend as well, and so man, we are just so blessed. Uh, those guys you saw up on the stage earlier in the green shirts, those are your community group leaders, Jeremy, Oscar, and Blake, and uh, the band who's been leading us tonight, they're your community group worship leaders, so could we just say a big thank you to them as they're going to be serving you all weekend long? So uh, we, are, we are kicking things off. This is not an opening rally. This is our, our first session, and we want to go hard and, and really begin to unpack this idea of stand firm. This is our, our theme for the week. This is where we're going to be. This, the logos you see on all the shirts and things like that, and it comes out of Philippians 127, and I think we have that verse up on the screen uh, maybe in just a second. Next. There we go. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. This is Paul speaking to the church at Philippi. So that whether I'm uh, there or whether I'm absent or whether I see you, I may hear that you are standing firm. So our prayer out of these days is that we would understand and embrace what it means to stand firm in Christ and stand firm for Christ. Because those two things go together. And so that's, that's what we're going to do right now. So if you, if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to the book of Philippians. And if you don't have one with you, there's actually one in the seat back in front of you. We'd love for you uh, to be able to read along in God's Word. And if you don't own a Bible, you can take that one. That's, that's a gift that we would love to give you because we want everyone to have a copy of God's Word. And so in, in the book of Philippians, what I want to do tonight is take a few minutes uh, to set up what we're going to be exploring all weekend long. And I don't think I said this earlier, my name's Paul. On the count of three, I want you guys to say hi, Paul. That way I'll, I'll feel really welcome. Uh, on the count of three, you guys know how to count. Here we go. One, two, three. Hi, Paul. Hey, guys. It's, it's good to see you. Glad you're here. So uh, tonight, we want to begin to set the stage 
uh, for what we're going to be talking about throughout the rest of the week and look at this theme verse. And one of the things I love about impact, one of the things I love about this passage is Paul is writing to a church that he loves. A church that he dearly loves. It's a unique letter written by the Apostle Paul. It's a church he helped start. If you've read the book of Acts and you've heard the story about the Philippian jailer and Paul and Silas singing at midnight, that was one of the first people in this church. Or uh, Lydia, who's making fabrics, she was one of the first converts of this church. Paul loved this church. One of the things I love about Impact is it's, it's the churches. We gather together as churches, different denominations, uh, different areas of the church, and we come together as churches because God is all about the local church. And I love the people we have leading this weekend. Like tomorrow night, Trip Lee's going to be with us. Anybody excited about Trip? <laughs> He's a pastor in a local church, Matt Papa, who's anybody a Matt Papa fan in the house? I love this brother. He's a local church guy, 10,000 fathers, they're a local church. Eric Reed is a pastor, <coughs> excuse me, and so they love you, they love the church, and in this passage we see Paul's love for the church. And so what I want to pose tonight, and what I really want you to think about and wrestle with and pray with tonight, because I don't, I don't know where you are spiritually. Some of you, you are Christians, you love Jesus, you know Jesus, you're pursuing Jesus, you're in the Word, the Spirit's changing you, you have a, a love for the lost around you, you're thinking about the nations, you're thinking about how you can leverage your life for Jesus, and that is your passion. For others of you who are here, you don't have any relationship with God, and you'd say, I, I don't. Like, I'm just here because someone invited me, or I'm here because I thought it might be cool, or I had nothing better to do, and I'm not this Jesus thing. And then there are probably people in the room um, everywhere in between. And so what, what we want to do tonight is about what does it look like, what does it mean for us to stand firm? And so what I want to do is... Um, is to start in verse 18, just to give a little context, and we're going to walk to verse 27 and kind of break down, all right, how do we stand firm? So the next few sessions we're going to be talking about what does it look like for us to live lives that stand firm, but tonight we want to break down what does it mean to stand firm? How do you, how do I stand firm for Jesus Christ? What does that mean? That, that's the goal of our time together tonight. So let's just look at these verses together. Second half, verse 18, he says this, Yes, and I will rejoice. Now, without reading everything before, it's really important to note that Paul's in prison. This is his first imprisonment. The Apostle Paul, he doesn't have the cushy life. It's not easy. He's writing from a jail cell to this church that he loves. And he's writing, talking about how the gospel is going out through his chains to all of the guards. He's chained to these guys. They can't get away from him. And so he's telling about the gospel. He's saying, my imprisonment has furthered the gospel. And I rejoice about that. I'm willing to go to jail because it makes Jesus known. And he says, there are people who out of rivalry are talking about Jesus, putting me down, but they're talking about Jesus. And I rejoice in that. Even though they are enemies to me or see me as an enemy, I rejoice because the gospel is going out. Think about that. If you were in prison because you're sharing about Jesus 
and people, other people, are attacking you, verbally attacking you to the churches around you, would you say the same thing? Well, I wouldn't. I'll be really honest. I wouldn't say, yay, I'm in prison. Yay, people hate me. That wouldn't be what I'm saying. But he's saying, in this I rejoice that through these things, the gospel, Jesus, is being known. Think how countercultural that is. How could Paul say that I rejoice? It's because he's standing firm. Let's keep going. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, that I'll be delivered from prison. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or my death. So Paul says, I think I'm going to be released. But it could be that this is my end. This is my death. But it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if I'm released from prison or I die in prison. If Jesus is glorified through my life or through my death, as long as he's glorified, that's what matters. It's crazy, right? Let's keep going. Verse 21. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. For me to live is we would expect him to say, is gain, and to die is Christ. For me to live, that's a good thing. If I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. But listen to what he says. For me to live is Christ. My life is all about Jesus. And to die, it's gain. You can't stop a guy like this. You kill him, it's gain. He lives, he lives for Christ. That's an unstoppable life. What would it look like for you and for me if we had that kind of passion and unstoppable pursuit Keep going. For if I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me. Yet which I choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard-pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Paul's saying Jesus and being with him is so much better than this world and this life. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account, on our account. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. So that in me, so Paul's saying, I want my life to do something. In me, you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because my coming to you again. So I'm going to stay as long as God has me here so that your joy in Jesus can grow. I would rather go be with him. I can't wait to be with him. But today I stand here because I want you and I want others to know about Jesus. Think about that kind of life. Verse 27, and this is our, our weekend verse Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. What he's not saying here, he's not saying here that, hey, you need to make yourself worthy. You need to make yourself clean. You need to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. You need to quit singing and make yourself holy before God. That's not what he's saying. When he's saying, when he says that you live in a manner worthy of the gospel, it means that your life declares the worth of Jesus. When your life and my life is proclaiming his worth, that's what it means to live a life worthy of the gospel. And literally, the manner 
of life means citizenship. Let your citizenship, let the way that you live as a citizen of heaven, if you're a Jesus follower, your identities in Christ, let that be worthy of the gospel. The way you live and the way I live, if we're Jesus followers, it matters, is what Paul's saying. So whether I come and see you or an absent, I may hear that you are standing firm. Standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, I want to see you standing firm. So the question is tonight, how do we stand firm? What does that mean? And so I think one thing that we all understand is we all understand what it's like to be on something that's not firm. Have you ever stood on something that's a little bit unstable before in your life. Anyone in here afraid of heights and is not willing to admit it? Okay, so we got a few honest people in the room. I, I'm there as well. So I don't like being on things that are unstable. I really don't like being on things that are unstable really high in the air, okay? How many of you have ever been to Dover Gorge? Anybody? Okay, we got a lot of Dover Gorge people up here. We go every year. We love it. It's awesome. <coughs> and one of the things that we do is uh, the double leap of faith. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay. <laughs> so the double leap of faith, some sort of crazy uh, person invented this thing. And they, you know, one day, I don't know if they were drinking a little too much, what happens? Like, what if we take a telephone pole and stick it in the ground and we attach a ladder to it and we climb up to the top and put a little wooden box on the top and we jump off of a wooden box and try to catch a trapeze bar in the middle of the air. Like that does not sound like a very smart thing, but that is what they did and that's what you do if you go do this thing. So we went for the first time and took our group and this is what we were doing. And so I have to do it, right? If I don't do it, like I, I bring dishonor and shame on my parents and my family. You know, my son will never look me in the eyes again. So I have to go and do this thing. And looking at it, it looks tall, but it's not too tall until you realize it's on the side of a massive embankment that's like 40 feet straight down. So you're going 20 feet up, 40 feet down, and you do have a harness on your back, but you're climbing up a pole. Who does that? You climb up a pole. So you climb up a pole, it's going okay, but if you've done this before, you know the feeling. When you get to the top, and this platform you're supposed to stand on, it's not like the size of this thing, it's more like the size of one of these cinder blocks. And it's on top of the pole, and you have to climb up and get on top of it. And the whole time, the pole is doing this swaying number. It's like, how on earth am I going to get up there? And even when you get up there, now I'm swaying on a wooden toothpick 30 feet up in the ground, and I'm supposed to catch another wooden toothpick. This is a very disconcerting place to be, right? And so, did the thing, you've done the thing, you know what that's like. We know it's like to be on something that's not stable. We also know what it's like to live lives in a world that's unstable. How many of you would just say, you know what, from time to time my life has a lot of instability in it? I think all of us, we're going to be honest. One day is good, the next day, cancer comes into your family. One day is good, the next day your parents are getting a divorce. One day's good, the next day the bottom falls out. That friend who you thought was your friend's not there for you anymore. In fact, they were never your friend to begin with. You thought you were going to have that starting position on the team, and then all of a sudden the coach gave it to somebody else because their parents had money. Whatever that is, life 
is not stable. But not only is life not stable, do you know what else is unstable? We are. Our emotions are all over the place, right? One day we're high, one day we're low. One day we're here, one day we're there. One day we're like, yes, Jesus, you're awesome. The next day it's um, battling porn again. I'm never going there, now I'm back there. I'm, I'm going to be at church this weekend, and then I'm over here with this group this weekend. Our lives are all over the place. We aren't stable people. So if we live in an unstable world and we have instability inside us, how on earth do we stand firm? How on earth can we stand firm? How can we do what Paul is asking us and asking this church to do? And so what I want to do is out of this passage is, is just bring out three truths about what does it mean? How can we stand firm? And so if you're taking notes, you can write these things down. If you're not, that's fine. You can just think about it. This is the first one. How do we stand firm? Here's the first truth that we need to, to wrestle through. Before you can stand firm, you must have a firm foundation to stand on. Before you can stand firm on something, you have to have a firm foundation to stand on. So when the Apostle Paul says, stand firm, he's not just talking about, like, hey, stand up for what you believe in. Or, hey, take a stand. Or, uh, you know, have something, stand your ground when people say this. Stand your ground, take a stance against this, a stance for that. We all have things we're for, all things that are against. That's part of what he's saying, but that's not uh, what he's getting at in full. Because what he's saying is we're going to stand firm for Jesus. We have to have something to stand on. The word stand firm, it literally means to be steadfast. And steadfast means that you stay your course. You stay to your convictions. You're holding on to something. You're not letting go. What's Paul getting at? He's saying in order to stand firm, we have to have something to stand on. What, What is the only firm thing that we can stand on? It's Jesus. So before you can stand firm for Christ, you must have to stand firm on Christ. This is how, think back to what we were just reading, Paul's life. How can Paul say, I rejoice in being in prison? I rejoice in being hated. I'm okay with being killed. I have purpose in this jail cell because his foundation is rooted on something that's firm, something that won't let go, Jesus Christ. And so before we can stand firm for Christ, we have to stand firm on Christ. Mentioned earlier in verse 27 when he says, only let your manner of life be worthy. That word manner of life, it means citizenship. And so in this day, citizenship, especially Roman citizenship, was really important. If you were a Roman citizen, it gave you access to things that no one else had access to. And so being a citizen was a really important thing. (coughs) And what Paul's getting at here is if you are a Jesus follower, you are a citizen of God's family. You are a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. You have been brought into the family of God. So when Paul says, hey, stand firm in your faith, and it's tied to this living for the worth of Jesus, he's saying you stand firm by standing on the truth of the gospel. 
So before you can stand firm, before you're going to be able to fight sin and temptation, before you're going to be able to walk into your school, into your family, into that friendship and stand for Christ, you have to have something to stand on. Because if this world is crazy and full of instability, and emotionally we're crazy and we're unstable all the time, we're not just going to be able to will ourselves to go out and stand firm for Jesus. You won't do it. And in fact, some of you, you know what this feels like. You've tried to stand for Christ again and again and again, and you fall short every single time. And it's because you're trying to do something in your own power that you can't do. I've tried that so many times. So before we can stand firm, we have to have something to stand on. That's the first truth. And we see Paul's life. He had something firm to stand on. It was Jesus Christ. Here's the second truth. Everyone is building their life on some kind of foundation. So before you can stand firm, you have to have something to stand on. And every single person in this room and in this world is building their life on some kind of foundation. You're resting your hope and your trust and your joy and your happiness in something. (coughs) This is the human condition. This is doing this. This is where we are. Even Paul, and we didn't read it earlier, but Paul talks about his opponents. And he talks about people who are following Jesus. And he talks about the people who are following Jesus. That's the church at Philippi. They need to build their their stand firm on the foundation of Jesus. Then he talks about the opponents. And what are the opponents building their foundation on? They're trying to build it on fame. They're trying to knock Paul out of the way to make themselves look better. Anyone ever done that before? We all have. Hello. All right. I don't know what that was. It's not good. We've all done that before. We've we've all pushed other people out of the way to set ourselves up. And so, in order to kind of illustrate this, um, I brought a couple things out with me. You might be wondering, like, why are there cinder blocks on the stage? So there are certain things you can build your life on. One is Jesus. This is a foundation. It is the foundation that you can build your life, and I can choose to build my life on. But there are other foundations that we can build our lives on. And so I just want to share a few of these with us, because I think um, these are what I walk through and have been walking through, and I think for you guys it's going to be some of the same things here. So... One of the things that you can build your life on is sports. Some of you are really, really gifted athletes. And you're really good at what you do. And you love playing basketball. You love playing football, whatever that is. That's something you can build your life on. You can build your hope, your identity on sports. Another thing you can build your identity on is grades. Some of you are really, really smart. You're you're good. And we hate you for it every single day. But you're good at it, and your GPA is like 4.8.5 point whatever million it is. And, we, and that's you. And you are trying to get in that school, and that's who you are, and that's your identity, and that's what you're pursuing and give all yourself to. For some of you, it's the arts. It might be music. It could be photography. It could be band, whatever that is. You're really, really good. You're a great artist. And you can build your foundation and build your life on those things. The problem with all these things is they require success. And the problem with success, 
Listen to me. There's always going to be someone better. You might be awesome at basketball. There's someone better than you. You're an injury away from losing it all. You might be really good at grades. You might be the best in your school. There's somebody smarter than you. You might be an incredible artist. You might be an incredible musician. Somebody that's going to be better than you. You will fail. You cannot be perfect. And so when you build your life on these things, they don't last. They don't stand. Another thing you can build your life on is fame, especially in social media. You know, how many likes can I get? How many followers can I get? How, you know, how many people can get me on Snapchat or Instagram? Other things that you can build your life on is you can build your life on sex. Your foundation can be there, whether it's sex with a person or whether it's something like pornography. And if you don't know what sex is, don't person next to you and don't Google it. Go talk to your parents and get home. They'd be love to talk to you about what that means. <laughs> but you can build your life on those things. You can build your life on possessions. You can build your life on stuff. But listen, here's the problem. If you build your life on fame or sex or lust or possessions, it feels good for the moment, but it never satisfies. You will never get enough likes. You'll never see enough or feel good enough or be satisfied. You'll never have enough stuff There's always a new iPhone getting ready to come out. It always will let you down. You can build your foundation on family. And family is awesome. It's a gift from God. All these things are actually gifts from a good God. You can build your life on relationships, on a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and your identity is totally wrapped up in those things. You can build it on your friends. And again, these are all good gifts from God, but here's the problem. When you build your identity and your happiness and your joy on your family, on your friends, on your boyfriend and girlfriend, they will let you down. They will you. They will stab you in the back. They will fall short. And so that foundation will not last. You can also um, build your foundation on religion. Yeah, I switched them up. There we go. You're like, what's he talking about relationships? Religion. Here's the problem with religion. Religion says, try harder, be better, do good. You can never be good enough. You can never be good enough. You can never measure up to a holy God. You can never defeat sin on your own. Religion is just a cycle of doing, 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 doing. You can also build your life. When I say faith, I'm not talking about saving faith. What I'm talking about is that desire, that belief, like I believe I believed hard enough this time. No one might relate with this, but I can remember uh, in high school being thunderstorms outside and the lightning bolts outside, and I probably prayed the sinner's prayer like a thousand times during those summers. Anybody else ever do that? I just want to make sure that it didn't happen, that it's right, didn't fall. You know, maybe I pray hard enough. Maybe I didn't get the words right. Thank you. And what we do in those moments is we, we place our faith in our faith instead of placing our faith in Jesus. We place our faith in our ability to trust God. And did we get it right? Did we say the right things? Did we make all the right moves? 
The problem with all these things is we're building a foundation on things that were never meant to carry the weight of the human soul. And Apostle Paul is talking to the church and he's saying, stand firm. And he's talking about, and he's showing the foundation he's standing on. He's talking about standing firm and stand firm, you have to stand on something. So the question that I want you to be asking and thinking about and praying about is what foundation are you building your life on? What foundation are you building your life on? I've asked Seth to come up here to help me. Seth, wherever you are, come on up stage for just a second. So Jesus talked about foundations, and this isn't going to be up on the screen, but Matthew 7, he, he talked about building your house on a foundation. And so um, I want to just read this parable to us. And it's one that you've probably heard before. This is what Jesus said. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it was found on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand, not a firm foundation. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. So we're going to do a little social experiment here. So Seth, give it up for Seth. Good friend. This is Hurricane Seth, and so he's going to test out our foundation. So what I've asked him to do, at potentially great risk to his, his livelihood, is to jump on these two foundations, Okay. So he's going to test how strong his foundations are. So would you just give it a go, all right? Let's give it up for Seth. All right, foundation number two. Here we go. Can he do it? Oh. Everybody give it up for Seth. Thank you, Seth Walker. Here's what I want you to think about tonight. You'll never be able to stand firm unless you have something to stand on. Everyone is building their life on some kind of foundation. The question is, for you and for me, what are you building your life on? When I was writing down this list of things to put on these boxes, these are a lot of things I tried to build my life on. This is what Jesus says in this parable. Two houses, two foundations. But you know what the similar thing is? The storm hits both houses. Friends, the storms of life are coming after you. Christian or not. And some people like to say that because you're a Jesus follower, the trials and trouble aren't going to come to your life. That's not what Jesus said. The storms are coming when the storms of this life, they come and they crash on the foundation of your life, what's going to be left standing? This is the last and final point, and this is what the whole weekend is about, and that's that there's only one foundation that will stand, and it's Jesus. The only foundation that will stand is Jesus Christ. 
So if you build your life on fame, on relationships, on religion, it's Jesus' words, great will be your fall. Can we just be really real for a minute? A lot of you have felt that. In fact, a lot of you are living in that brokenness right now. Where the things that you've built your identity and your happiness and your hope in have let you down, have hurt you. What I'm here to tell you tonight and what we're here to rally around this weekend is there is a foundation that can stand. There is a foundation that can weather the storm. But it's only one, and it's Jesus. And the reason why, the reason why this foundation stands, the reason why we can have a firm foundation to stand on is because Jesus stood in your place. We have a firm foundation to stand on because Jesus stood in our place. Paul says, walk in a manner worthy of the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is good news. Good news of what? Good news that God sent his only son who came to earth, who became a man, who lived a sinless life, faced the same temptations to place his identity in something other than the Father, but he did not. And he went to the cross and he died in your place. He died in my place. He stood for us so that we can stand on him. And he took your sin and he took my sin and he took God's wrath on himself in our place. But he didn't stay dead. He rose again, defeating death. And so how do we stand firm? How do you stand firm? Not by stepping up and saying, I'm going to do good enough. I'm going to try hard enough. But instead by resting in the one who stood for you. Standing firm is not about doing something for God. It's about resting in God's finished work for you and for me. It's the gospel. And so when we stand firm in Christ, we live for Christ. And we do need to take a stand for what's right. And we're going to talk about what does it look like to stand for Jesus throughout the book of Philippians. But listen to me. You will never stand for Jesus until you rest in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You will never stand for Christ until your identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. And the reason why Paul could look the jailers in the face and look the church in the face and say, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain and it's better to be with Jesus is because he was standing on Christ. He understood the gospel. It captured his heart. And so he wasn't chasing after these things that fall apart and fail us. He was resting in Jesus. So the question that I want to leave you with tonight, and I want you to think about tonight and pray through, is what foundation are you building your life on? I love in 1 Peter, Peter, he chases and he talks about the Psalms, and he talks about how Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The stone that the builders rejected have become the chief cornerstone. And that any who build their life on Christ will stand. That we are being built into a house And that house has a cornerstone that's holding it up. And that stone is Jesus Christ. Friends, what is holding up your life tonight? And will it meet everything that you're hoping it will meet? 
or when the storms, when it's taken away, will it crumble? Two houses, two foundations, one storm, one house stands, the other great is its fall. And maybe you're here tonight and you're in the middle of the crumble. You're in the middle of the divorce. You're in the middle of the friend who stabbed you in the back. Your sports career's gotten taken away. No one likes you. No one seems to love you. You're all alone. Whatever those things are, you're depressed. You're in the middle of that. I want to talk to you and say tonight there's hope. It's not in those things. It's in Jesus. Maybe life's going really good. Maybe you've put your identity in some of these things and it hasn't let you down yet. It's feeling pretty good. It's moving pretty good. I just want to say a warning. It won't last won't last. There's only one foundation that will last. I just ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes, and we're going to go into time of response. What I want to do is just give you an opportunity to think and to pray. It's, it's really a simple message tonight, and it's a simple question. What, what foundation are you building your life on? Before you can stand firm for Jesus, you have to stand on the finished work of Jesus. And so maybe for some of you tonight, you've, you've never known Jesus. You've never had a relationship with him. You know about him, but you've been putting your faith in your faith. You've been putting your faith in religious works and doing good deeds for God to try to earn his approval and acceptance. And you can never be good enough. You can never, you know, do enough, go to church enough, be kind enough. Maybe you've been trying to find your hope and your identity in all kinds of things, and Jesus has never been a part of the equation. He's just been something you do when it's convenient. And if that's you tonight, I just want to say to you that you can place your faith on Jesus Christ. Even tonight, for some of you, he's been opening up your eyes, opening up your heart. You, you're beginning, there's something inside you that's beginning to come alive. It's for the first time it makes sense. I've tried finding joy and happiness in all these other things. And now it makes sense why those things have let me down. Because I've been chasing the wrong things. And so for you tonight, it might just be to say yes to Jesus. Yes to the gospel. I want to believe in you. I want to trust you. I want to follow you. I want to live for you. I want you to save me. If that's you tonight, I want to encourage you to do that. Grab your group leader, grab, grab your pastor, grab me tonight. and we, We'd love to just pray with you, to walk with you through that. And We can't save you, but Jesus can save you. But for all of us tonight, Christian, non-Christian, what are you building the foundation of your life on? What are you resting your hope in? Will it weather the storm? For some of you tonight, you're here because you really do want to follow Jesus, and you've tried, and it just seems like every single time you walk away from impact or a conference or church group, and you're like, I'm going to do it this time, it never happens, it's because you go out and start trying to do it instead of resting in the one who's done it for you and living out of the overflow of that. My prayer is that tonight God would raise up a room full of Apostle Pauls who can walk out and say, for me to live is Christ, to die is game. Jesus is everything. I'm resting what he's done for me, and I'm giving all that I have to tell the world of that good news. 
God, we come to you and we thank you for tonight and we thank you for impact and everything it's going to be. And we thank you we get to worship and continue in worship tonight. I pray that you would help us to build our lives on Jesus, to build our lives on the cornerstone that stands against the storms. And I pray for anyone in this room who doesn't know you, that even tonight you'd open their eyes, that you would rescue them. And I pray for those who are just in chains of bondage to the things they've been trying to build their lives on. I pray tonight, God, please set them free. Set the captives free. God, I thank you for setting me free. Forgive me when I, I run back to these things, but thank you for setting me free. Even giving me the chance to be able to tell other people that you are the cornerstone. So be lifted high. Change us, God, so that we might live lives that magnify your worth. I pray, Lord, please, out of the hundreds of people in this room, that you'd raise up a generation that loves you more than life itself. And they would run to their schools and run across the world and run to their friends, shouting the good news of what you've done for them. Change us, Lord. Please do that in this place. Let the world and eternity echo with what you do in this room that we can't do. Thank you for standing in our place. It's your name I pray. Amen.